Hello and welcome back to the Foot and Ankle Project. This is episode 17 and today we have another guest episode. On today's episode, we have James Sieber, an Aubrey-based local running coach who has an extensive knowledge in footwear. I myself have learned a lot from James and together we have decided to create the 2024 running shoe guide. Now, this guide is something that we plan to continually update um, and, and the idea behind it is that we're looking to impart our knowledge of shoes, both as a, a runner, running coach, and as a clinician with you to help you build, build confidence when buying your next running shoe. In today's episode, expect to learn about how to describe what you like in a shoe, the five different types of running shoe categories, our recommendations from each category, and much more. I had a really great time in the episode today and I had a really great learning experience making the shoe guide. It is available now in each of on each of our respective websites uh, and you will find the links in the show notes to that as usual. I hope you really enjoy. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Foot and Ankle Project where we stride into the world of foot and ankle pain, function, and performance. I'm your host, Tim Pargeter. In each episode, we dive into expert insights, athlete stories, and helpful solutions for those seeking improvement of their pain and performance. I hope you enjoy and share. James, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, This all started one day when I came across James was in the gym um, and he was speaking to me about shoes and I quickly realized that I was out of my depth in terms of the shoe knowledge that James had. So um, we went on a bit of a a, a ride from here and I improved my knowledge, which I think has helped me as a practitioner um, with clients in terms of their injury and performance. James, tell me, you you haven't always been into running given your history on the slopes, but what sparked your interest in running shoes? Uh, I th- honestly, I'm not even sure. I think it's just that where my mind, way my mind works, and it's why I think I'm a coach. One element of it, at least, is I like all the all the one percenters. So it's ticking off every box and learning what's going to make everyone work. So shoes is just a natural evolution of that then you start reading about it and you start watching reviews and you just go down this rabbit hole that just doesn't seem to end. So that's, yeah, that's probably where it came from. It's just a, an interest in my own running of being like, all right, how much do shoes actually matter? And like you said, I came from a spot where I ran, well, I, hadn't, I wasn't a runner, ran a couple of days a week, didn't know how to run or what to do. And like there's so much out there that. I couldn't find what we've ended up creating. So I just started trying them. Um, And then a lot of money and a lot of failures (laughs) later. And now we're here. Yeah. And on that point, in terms of it seems as though there is a lot of complexity within the running world. And the complexity can be quite confronting and harrowing for not only clients when they walk or people when they walk into a running store, but also for practitioners in terms of what do I actually recommend based on the person. I think with the right knowledge comes a lot of power because you can really manipulate the shoe based on what the person wants to get, you know, better performance or recover from their injury best. If we were to start at a very basic level within a shoe, I feel like we've got foam, 
as a base. We've got the upper of the shoe at a, at a very basic level. The way I think about sh- the foam within the shoes in terms of that feeling under the foot is that we've got a compliance and resilience element and then we've also got a durability element. Would you agree and could you expand a little bit further on the basics of, of foams in shoes? Yeah, so over the years and especially since 2017 is when we kind of saw foams really develop, but irrespective of what it's made from, like I said, we're kind of talking about three areas, the compliance or essentially how it feels on the foot when you take a step and you put energy through it, what happens? And an uncompliant shoe doesn't do a whole lot. It feels a bit like a hitting a rock. A very compliant shoe would be like running on a marshmallow. There's pros and cons to both. Resilience is about how it holds up. So if I'm going to go out for 30 minutes, how does it feel at minute one compared to minute 30 versus some shoes that would be great for that. But then if I did that at hour um, two, how it would feel then? And then durability is like the lifespan. Uh, So what I found is that irrespective of why you're looking at a shoe, what the foam is, those are still pretty consistent characteristics across the board. Um, And then you kind of start looking at like the foam itself. And that's where everything can start to get a bit more complicated and exactly what run you're looking, what shoe you're looking for, which run and then knowing where to pick. But if you've got on your mind, I just want one shoe to do it all, then your durability and to a degree your resilience to the shoe is more important than other factors. Yeah. And so uh, I suppose if we were to provide some examples, some really extreme examples of both of those, if we were to think of something that's you know uh, quite responsive but not durable, I would go into sort of more of a like a race day shoe, such as like a, a Nike Vaporfly, or yeah. is is that was that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, your best example is Adidas brought out their uh, there, there's so many parts to the name. I think it's Adidas Adi Zero. I'm not even try. Anyway, <laughs> let's just call it the. I think it's called the Evo Pro One or something like that. Anyway, yep. it's, a, yep. it's a shoe last year came out 500 US dollars, stupid amounts of money, and it is literally designed to complete one marathon. Wow! So that is your definition of not a durable shoe. Yes, it is designed to perform as best as it can for one time. The foam and the way it reacts with the plate that's in there will be resilient to that duration. Mm-hmm. But from a durability perspective, that foam is then put basically right um yeah that's that's the probably the best example yeah yeah that's questionable whether that's how we should be going yes but, true turnover um, of shoes and yeah. waste and that sort of thing yeah yeah exactly yeah and, and so then if we if we then have a look like you mentioned that with shoes the the foam at minute one might be different from foam at minute 40 is there an element of foam fatigue that you're talking about yeah it's with, uh, keeping it simple, the, the foams break down and how the foam is designed and the density of it, the, what goes into the compound will dictate on how long it can essentially last and still produce the output that it was designed. So we'll get into it, but you get recovery day shoes, which are typically really soft and make you feel great and don't really mind how you run on them, but they're not really meant to go past 60 minutes your 30 45 minute run they're perfect for 
Um, and that's that's where you also get crossovers of shoes. But then you get other shoes like we'll come to our like, long run shoes. If at the 60th minute they're really starting to break down and they're becoming unresponsive, that's not great when you've still got another two hours to go because A, it doesn't feel nice to run on, but B, that's where injuries can really start to form. When the shoes stopped behaving in the way you expect, you might start collapsing and then this is where people come and see you. <laughs> yes, we tend to get overloads and yeah. those sort of things. And and I think that's a really good point where we'll start and and what James and I have looked to create for you guys over the last probably six months, I feel like, yeah. to progress this is um, we've created a, a running shoe guide. And the idea behind the guide is that we're trying to build confidence so that when you walk into a running store, for shoes, you know, one, what sort of run you're looking to utilize the shoes for, two, what sort of feeling you actually want within the shoe, um, and then some recommendations. So I think what we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll start with, you mentioned some different running shoe categories. Uh, and those different categories are, there's five categories. Um, and we've got daily trainer, speed and tempo, long run, recovery, and a race day shoe. I'd like to start at the beginning in a daily trainer because I feel like this is where no matter how good of a runner you are, whether you've run, you know, 10Ks a week or if you're doing 120, the the daily trainer seems to be a really common shoe. And also at a clinical level, this potentially is a shoe that you might utilize for walking as well, um, that or a recovery shoe. But also if you're going to start into running, this is probably the shoe that we want to nail if I'm not wrong or what, yeah. what would you say? Because if, if we have one shoe as a runner, as a beginner, yeah. we probably start with a daily trainer. But yeah, you start with a daily unless they're potentially you just start them in a shoe that could uh, cross over into that recovery day as well. Okay. So Nimbus. Got you. Masix, that would yeah. be a, a good example of a shoe that we'd probably put in the recovery zone, especially yes. from a um, a more seasoned runner's perspective. Yep. But, yeah, could can quite can quite easily cross over. Can't do some of the like some of the things we want a daily trainer to do, but but for the most part, yeah, I agree. And I think it's important to say here is that we've got five categories. <laughs> we could probably distill this down to three if we yes. really wanted to. Yeah, we could also go further. Oh, more. Like it's, it's ridiculous yeah. that there's so many different styles of shoes coming out that, and this is why we've done the guide because even someone like myself or yourself that we deal with shoes every single day and we're constantly advising people i still get confused yeah yes like, as do i yeah so yeah. but you're right the daily trainer like this is where we all most likely start in mm -hmm. and it's the shoe that so yeah it's the shoe that can do 90 percent of what you want to do people 100 use these for race days i'm about to run 100k in a daily trainer yeah so they they can hold up if you get the right pair but they can also feel squishy they can feel like fast um but yeah this is the this is the the biggest category at least from what i see people going in and by sounds it probably from what you put people into yeah yeah and and to be honest i feel like the nature of shoe companies that it's sort of you know, 60 to 70% of a, a brand sales falls within around three shoes, three to four shoes. Yeah, right. And and most of those shoes, I would say, probably fit into the daily trainer category or the recovery category because it has that crossover between walking and then you can introduce them into running as well. So certainly, and and I feel like the way you define it as well, how we've defined it within the within the guide is that it's, it's a bit of a jack of all trade um, and that, you know, it might 
again, depending on what you like in a shoe, it might be have enough cushioning for you or you, you pick up, you can pick up the pace when asked. Now on that point, in terms of a feeling mm. and the feeling that people sort of describe within shoes, I think that would be a nice little pace thing to have a bit of a chat about before we go through the, the further shoes. If we were to have a few defining terms in terms of what someone actually feels underneath the foot, I feel like the words, you know, responsive, firm, soft, cushioned, bouncy comes to mind. Is there probably two or three terms that you would define to allow people to think, hey, actually that's, that's what I like in a shoe or this is what I want from this sort of feeling? Um, what, what would be those terms and how would you describe them? All right. So if we're simplifying it, if I'm putting on a shoe and all right, I, I already have an idea of what I'm looking for the shoe at because I have, I have that understanding as well. But if I'm just putting a shoe on and moving back and forth, maybe jumping on the treadmill at the local shop, the, to be honest, it's probably actually two. Mm. There's the, the we'll call it firm slash soft so that that distinction mm -hmm. and that's just if i go for a run and when i hit the ground what does it feel like does it feel closer to running barefoot on the pavement or does it feel like i'm running the trampoline kind of thing and mm -hmm. it's that yeah you you push in and it will i and it, if you don't know what this feels like as soon as you try it <laughs> you'll know what i mean yeah. and it, and it, it's it's it, there, there, there's a whole bunch of other terms and you can get really like overly complicated about it but one will feel nice and soft and one will feel harder mm. and depending on what you want the shoe to do depends on where you go from there and then they talk about your kind of energy tone no, energy tone energy um, return your bounce your snap any of those terms basically which is just about how the shoe reacts once you have landed once you've started to put force through the shoe mm. what happens if you get a shoe that's really snappy has a really high energy return it's going to want to or it's going to try to like accelerate you forward you get some shoes that are more unresponsive and they encourage you to run slower and those are the ones that will typically be a bit softer um, they'll have different geometries of how the shoe is done but it is just simply you'll run along and something will say yeah i don't really want to run faster like this just feels right. Mm -hmm. Whereas you put the other shoes on and you start to run a little bit faster and then it's the shoe goes, yeah, keep going. I'm there. It's like it's an invitation to run quicker. Um, yeah, I, I think we could definitely, and we have, we've, I can't remember how many different category or different sort of terms, terms we, we went through, but yeah, yeah. there's what, eight there's to ten? Nine, nine there, yeah. Nine there. Nine um, and, and there's, yeah, we've gone through firm, soft, stiff, your response, and then a bunch more of kind of more te technical terms. Technical terms, yeah. Um, like yeah. It, it really does, I think, simplify down to like step That's firm right. softness. Yeah, and response. And, and uh, yeah, definitely and response. And I think what's interesting at, a, at, a, at a, a, a clinical level too is that people often want a bit of a combination of both. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they want a bit of a, a, a nice, plusher, softer feel underfoot. But the risk with going too soft, I believe, is that that's where people move more into movement directions yeah. the scary word that everyone hates is pronation which yeah. <laughs> don't be afraid of it it's a descriptor um but that's where sometimes i want this combination of a bit of a soft feel on top of a bit of durability underneath which yeah. gives that stable feel now that's personally what i like 
Um, I like a little bit of a soft feel on top, but I also like the feeling of stability underneath my foot. Uh, and I feel like if you had, let's say, a 90% soft and 10% firm, that would, it might give you more energy back. But if you are potentially fatiguing, then the shoe's not going to give you much what they would call support and stability because yep. of the fatigue element. If it's the other way around, if there's more of the firmness within the foam, Yes, it may not give you as much response, but it might hold up for you in the in the longer if you're battling fatigue. That is yeah. for more of a new runner, um, which I think is is important. So I think that's a really great like descriptive term. Um, and so then for the daily trainer, would you say that it is a it is more of a softer, responsive style of shoe? Or is it something that really tries to combine all of them because it's trying to pick from each of those those categories? Yeah, I, th I think in, in in the name, like it's a daily trainer, mm. and it, it is a jack of all trades. Yeah. It, within and the, 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 this is where it, I think shoes start to get a bit tough is that we've highlighted a few shoes off the top of my head. You've got your Asics Nova Blast, which would be on that softer side. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about that ratio of softness to firmness, we're probably at that sort of 80-20 mix. Yeah. And then we've also highlighted the On Cloud Monster, which breaks in a bit, but I would say is close to that 50-50. And that challenge of working out what you like, it, it takes a bit of time. And that's like that's where we've tried to sort of help out, but it essentially it is fortunately getting the shoes on your feet yeah um that said you're not going to typically find one that goes completely off the spectrum yes. so you're pretty safe in the sense that most of them are going to have a nice balance of firmness but also give you a bit of response they're going to feel nice to put on and a shoe that even if you're a bit tired or your feet feel a bit beat up it's not going to be a really harsh ride it's going to have a bit of give um that said it shouldn't also allow for you to start pronating or supinating or, or just striking weirdly and loading yes. your foot yes. in a way that you don't want it to do. Yeah. Um, the, the daily trainer category is, it's so big and it's the, it is the, it is the main one. So brands have clued onto that and there's, unless it's a brand that's in their first year, there's, they've all got a good daily trainer, Yeah. yeah which is, which is nice because like at the end of the day, it's what, suits your foot and as much as we think something will work it it's good to know that we can be like all right you seem to fit nike mm. so we know we can put you into nike's daily trainer because mm -hmm. it's a decent enough shoe um, or vice versa with Saucony or salmon whatever it is um, they've at least got that consistency that that ratio may change a bit but it's mostly within a normalized range yeah of course and and i think that's what's important what we spoke about before the podcast was just the subjectivity of shoes yeah like we all like what we like uh and we've tried to be super objective in terms of how we're giving these reviews um and what we've done within each review is we've given quick thoughts we've given some information on the weight and the stack and the drop of a shoe um but we've also defined or given it a rating out of five in each of the following sections we've got responsiveness stability, stiffness, and durability. And so pending you you somewhat know what you like within a shoe, you might be able to go through those reviews and look right. I actually don't need a stability shoe because I'm, you know, I feel like I'm quite stable. So that's not a super important category for me, but I need it to be quite responsive because that's what I like within a shoe. 
Um, and it's, it is, it is super, super subjective. That is, that is for sure. Um, which, which I think is really important just to understand that, you know, figuring out what you like. And, and I think you're right, James, like with time, you begin to understand what you like and what you don't like within a shoe. And I think what's really interesting for people is, and I've really commonly see this, someone will buy the upgraded shoe because they've had it previously. And, and the most common example is the Asics Kayano. Like I see it all the time. People have bought the 24, 25, 26, whatever. Um, and regardless of the foot pain that's causing them, they just continue to use it because they've always bought it. Now, I generally advise against this um, in, in that it's fine to buy the, the next iteration of a shoe, but every generally with an iteration there comes change. Um, and, and certainly what, what I've seen through the years for, for Kayano, for example, is they, there was a period three or four years ago where they began to go narrow through the forefoot, which resulted in a higher presentation of forefoot pain within the clinic because there was, you know, less room, there was more compressive force. Um, and they've now gone back to more of a, a squarer shaped wider forefoot, um, probably because of feedback, I would yeah. say, which is a really good thing. Um, so super subjective, um, but just knowing with what is within a shoe can be can be really handy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think just to cover that point, I, that's probably the, the hardest thing about the shoe industry. If you can cut through all the yeah, crap, yep, um, <laughs> and you start to work out, all right, this brand works for me, this shoe really works for me, and then they just for seemingly unknown reasons just throw it all on its head and change everything completely up and you're like oh come on guys mm. I, I this was a shoe that i liked it was like it did everything it needed to yes and now for whatever reason obviously those reasons are always feedback driven and they've got their testers and the testers aren't just elite athletes they are testing it with every point of the population the running mm-hmm. demographic yep but that's i think if i was just to say anything to anyone now is that don't be surprised if when you buy iteration 25 because you love 24 25 might feel absolutely useless and rubbish on your foot and you're going to hate it and it could even give you issues yeah and it's okay to uh, this is probably a good time to say that if you put a shoe on and it doesn't feel right Mm. don't go on the well he's got it it'll be fine or it's going to open up to my foot or if i wash the shoe the up will relax it's like (laughs) The shoe, we're at a point where a shoe should feel good Yeah. from the point you put it on. There's Agreed. so many choices. Every brand has their own distinct fit and styling. And if you are trying, and I've, I I know this and I can't take my own advice because I'm <laughs> consistently buying shoes that I'll put on my feet and go, oh, they're not great, but I'll see how they feel on the run. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I'm stuck with a $200 pair of shoes that yep. I can't use. Yeah. So it's, if you've bought the bought that shoe before and the Keanu is a great example of this and you go to the shop and you put the new one on it doesn't feel great don't just force yourself to buy it mm. like try something else yeah if you can get to your speciality store just so that they have the variants and their main objective is getting you into the best shoe that they can um but even if they you don't have that just try something else and go okay is does this actually feel bad is it in my head a bit do i just like the color <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And look, I think we all are guilty of shopping with our eyes oh, yeah. and trying to make a shoe feel good and make up in our head that it feels good. But comfort, um, they, they, there was a little bit of talk recently about um, how important is comfort within a shoe. And it is very important. Like there is a little bit of stuff coming out to say that maybe comfort might actually have an impact on injury mm. um, occurrence. So if you're not comfortable in a shoe when you put it on, listen, listen, please, because it, it might have an impact down the road for yeah. you. 
um, which might put you out further than you need to. And look, the reality is I feel like we buy a shoe because we like the look of it. It gets faded and dirty within four weeks yeah. and then we've forgotten about it anyway. So just buy, you know, just you f- right, do yeah. what feels good. And whether whether they should or shouldn't, brands bring out, especially certain brands, bring out 100 colorways of a shoe. Yeah. So like, yeah, you might not be able to find that in that store, but if you really, really want your pink and purple, mm-hmm. you'll be able to find it online. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an annoy it's, it's it's a frustration point because it's it's it, you you get comfortable and it's nice and easy to just go like yeah I'll just buy uh, I'll just buy the shoe that I like yeah oh they've replaced it and I can't buy it I'll just buy the new one and you can't it's yeah just be patient and don't force it yeah I yeah. like it I like it now uh, on the on the daily trainer uh, what is your current daily trainer and why do you like it so for me now it's the on cloud monster. Mm-hmm. On and me have not had a good relationship in the past. <laughs> I am very influenceable yes. from socials and <laughs> other runners. So when I first got into running, On was a brand that uh, I think they sponsored Rich Roll at the time, and I was really big into his podcast. Yeah. And I was I was going, oh well, if 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 Rich is sponsored by them and says they're great, they must be great. <laughs> I didn't think about the money or that yeah. he has to say that, or he might love the shoes. Yeah. He's not sponsored by them anymore. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So he probably didn't run in them. He just filmed himself filmed, running yeah. in them. And yeah. they have always been a very aesthetically pleasing shoe. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I had a couple of their earlier ver- versions on the road and the trails, and they were pretty poor. Stayed away for a while. Um, Dawn League, like the local running club that I'm a part of, we've had a relationship with On um, through Matt, who founds it, and Dawn League, not On, that is. And kind of eventually curiously got the better of me. So the Cloud Monster has been out for probably 18 months, maybe even two years. And I know that they are bringing an update to it soon, mm-hmm. but I only recently got into it as of December and have been very impressed. Just in the sense of, for me and my running style and my body shape, um, it really can do everything. So I've, I've dropped away from a higher stack, more cushioned shoe. Mm-hmm. And I think... The, the on used to would have been called a high stack shoe five years ago but now it's or even on the slightly lower side um, and stack referring to like how much foam is under the heel and under the forefoot and it's soft enough but its resiliency is incredible and like i said i plan on running 100k on the trails on it so it's uh, it surprised me in a really nice way especially you're having not had a great experience with on in the past so it just yeah. fits me well i will say it does run half a size big okay. which is why it works for me because yes. as you run longer your foot your feet swell yep i think if i went down half size to my actual size it might be a bit too tight around my toes because mm-hmm. it does have a slightly narrower toe box but in the size that i've got it yeah it's it's a very good shoe uh, nice yeah okay yeah. And so in the guide, obviously the on has come in. Yeah. Um, so we, we tried to keep it subjective. We try to keep it subjective, but we've oh, also sorry, got to- Objective. Objective. We've, we've got to put in what we know. Yeah. You know, so exactly. that's a big part of it as well. So you've given it a four out of five in responsiveness, a four out of five in stability, uh, three out of five in uh, stiffness and a four out of five in, uh, sorry, five out of five in durability, which is a really incredible result yeah. for them. As I, for why you're running 100Ks in them, I presume. Well, and also, so I'm-, I'm, I'm I'm a high mileage runner mm. from a 
general population standpoint. 100%. And we're trying to keep it away from that a bit at the moment. Yeah. But in January itself, I, I I would have run 500, maybe 600 Ks. So yeah. A, yeah. a lot of distance. Yeah. I put about 350 or 380 in just this one shoe. Wow. So that's a lot of back-to-back -back runs. That's a lot of long runs on trails as well. So I'm not giving it an easy life. And the grip was great. It's the the outsole, so the rubber that's on the bottom of the shoe, that's held up really well. Mm -hmm. um, and, but yeah, it just doesn't, somehow it doesn't seem to be, like that foam doesn't seem to be breaking down. Eventually with shoes, you put them on and they feel dead from the first step. They just don't, they don't give you anything back. And that's when you know that the shoe is done. Um, for me, depending on the brand, that's four to 600 Ks normally. Mm -hmm. um, from someone that's maybe a, a slightly lighter runner. So women, for example, my wife, she will get six to 800 out of a pair. Yeah. Yeah, these ones have 400 now and they don't feel like they're anywhere near it. So yeah, yeah. given given the abuse that I've given them, I, I haven't had a daily trainer. And I say like this durability is within the daily trainer kind of category yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's held up anywhere near yeah. this long. Wow. Um, yeah, and, like the, and, and for the rest of it, the responsiveness, the stability, the stiffness, the, like, without getting into it too much, on have a something called their speedboard, so that makes it a bit more um, stiff. Mm -hmm. um, it helps with the responsiveness, doesn't get too far because it's still a day trainer. It's not something I'm not trying to do. I'm not going to race a marathon or a 5K in this shoe. Yep. Um, and it's stability the f because it's not, it doesn't have a lot of foam underneath it it's not like you're going to roll your ankle over. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's where, and that's where I like. I think there's there's this current push to go more and more and more, and it resembles more of a stiletto than a running shoe yeah. for some of these brands. And yep. I quite like the fact that I brought it back mm -hmm. and realized that, oh, maybe my running style doesn't suit a lot of foam and quite mm. soft. It actually mm. likes a more 50-50 shoe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lower because they're they they're a six mil drop shoe, which within yep. the range is sort of around the lower of most of the modern shoes these days. Yeah, and that's and this is so. We're, and when we're saying drop, it's the heel to toe offset. So mm -hmm. if you've got forty mil under the heel, you have thirty four under the forefoot, six mil drop, and you you get brands that have zero, you get brands that have twelve or more. Mm, yeah. um, this is where you will naturally have a preference. Mm -hmm. It's also good to have a variance because it does change how it loads everything from your hip downwards, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, but for for me, I've always liked the sort of lower drop, but not. I've never been game to go zero. But yep. that four to six mil, again, it works with my running style. Yeah, um, yeah, which is important. Yeah, which is great. Exactly. So, and, yeah. um, that's the on cloud monster great wrap. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I kind of get a bit. No, not of course. We, we love it. It's good. Um, I do much less mileage than James. Um, <laughs> uh, and my current daily training shoe is a, a Nike Vomero 17. Now, a lot of people may not have heard of this one. It's it's almost like a more responsive Pegasus. A lot of people sort of heard of the, the Nike Pegasus. Um, I put it on and I was surprised. Mm. I was going to buy a different daily trainer. Um, I was going to go for the Nova Blast 4. Um, and I put the Vomero on first. Felt really good. There's a, a nice layer of the Zoom X through the top and it was just felt plush, felt good. Nike have been 
renowned for being too narrow for me yeah. in the forefoot, which was very uncomfortable. I would get forefoot pain when I would run in them previously. And the last pair I had was probably two or three years ago and it was a, a Pegasus at the time. Um, and I put this on and I was actually surprised as to the width of the shoe. It felt great, felt good on, really locked down my shoe quite well. My foot, like I felt like I was quite stable within the shoe and the, and the foam base underneath also gives me the element of stability. So I then tried the Novablast on and for me, it just didn't feel as good as the Vimero. So went with the Vimero as my daily, um, feels good. And what I like about it is I, like I said, I like a bit of a plush feel with a bit of that feeling of stability underneath the foot. Um, because I am not super experienced in my current running kilometers, I fatigue quicker. And so I feel like I rely on that stability a little bit more mm. within my shoes at the moment. Um, and, and the width is important to me because that's always one of the big things I push with people is to make sure they're getting appropriate fitting shoes. So I try to practice what I preach in that regard um, and, that, and they fit me quite well. So um, my rating for that was the responsiveness was four out of five. The stability was four out of five. Stiffness was three out of five um, just based on the, the foam combination and the durability was three out of five as well. Now the reason for that is because I think the top Zoom X foam is going to bottom yeah, um, and it's not going to be as plush and soft as it was at the start. So um, that is why I'm giving it a rating. Now it has a higher drop. It's 10 mil, which is, I tend to go better in a little bit more of a lower drop. Like I feel like it's like I feel better, um, but it's sort of right on that line where I wouldn't want to go any more. And so my, all all my, my other running shoes are running much lower than that. So um, that is the daily trainer. Now, like, as I said, at a clinical level, I put, you know, from general pop to walkers to those sort of things, it's either into a daily trainer or a race, ah, sorry, not a race, a recovery <laughs> shoe. Um, and I think we'll go there next. So in terms of the other shoe category, we have the recovery category. Um, the way we define it is that there's lots of cushion, sometimes some stability assistance, which is where a bit of that fatigue element might come in on those days that you're doing the lower kilometers. Can be a walking shoe for people as well. Like if we've got a dedicated walker, yeah, this might be a good category yeah. for them. And I'll just interrupt here quickly. I think the one thing that, as you said before, daily trainings and recoveries can definitely kind of be lumped in together. Yeah. But re- recovery style shoes, they tend to have a bit more width and support through the heel. Mm-hmm. And so when you're a walker, like I don't, not many of us walk on our toes. No. Like most of us will hit the heel first yep. and roll forward. Yes. And sometimes with daily trainers and the ASICs Nova Blast is a great example is that if you, when you hit the heel first, it doesn't have that much stability. So mm. it's quite easy to, to roll on to the inside. Mm. And so, distort the foam. Exactly. And, I, and, and yeah, I even found that running in it is that I'd get tired and I start to land further back and then I could feel my heel just sort of dropping in. And if I was thinking, if I was, if I was walking in this, it would get, it wouldn't be good for me. Yes. Like I might not notice it, but I can tell it wouldn't be good. So yeah. I think that's really where that's what recovery day shoes can do so well is mm. that even if you work out that you're a mid or a forefoot striker, so where you hit the ground, the recovery shoe can be great because whether you're running my distance or a lot lot further or you're just getting into it, you're going to have days where you feel better or worse. And if you're going to land a bit more on the heel, which again – most population do it's not a bad thing but you want to know that the shoe is going to hold you mm. and not just effectively disappear underneath absolutely um which is yeah again why it works for walking running uh, and yeah uh, they're easy to overlook mm. but i think they're they're a very good category there's some good shoes in the category yeah. oh, especially uh, recently yeah as the 2023 yeah i guess you'd say we saw a lot of updates 
that made some big changes. Yeah. Um, and we I feel like we keep, well, at least I keep mentioning it, but ASICS was one of the, 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 the big sort of swingers last yeah, year. Yeah. And especially in this category. Yeah. And they made a big, a big comeback in the last couple of years, which yeah. is interesting to see as well. So I totally agree. I feel like it's interesting when it comes to, um, the foam softness that we do have, because again, at a clinical point, it makes a massive difference. If I've got someone who's got instability <clears throat> on the outside of their foot and we put them into a, a higher stack soft cushion daily trainer and they hit that outside and it just distorts and it's not giving them a bit of return, that's too soft of a foam for them. So they need that firmer, more stability element. Um, what's interesting about stability within shoes these days is that um, it used to be the more stable the shoe, the more Foam, foam was firm on the inside where your arch is yep. and they would put softer foams or gels on the outside because everyone was scared of pronation. They were trying to stop that. They're now moving away from that model and you'll notice that it's all just the same density of foam on the inside versus outside of the shoe. can be different through the middle depending on what they're trying to achieve. Um, and some of them carry a bit more of a, depending on the brand, they might be firmer, like more forward or back now. So like Hoka Arahi, for example, they do like a, what they call a J. Oh, so yeah. it's it's a little bit firmer, more forward, but the same density around the whole heel. Um, and so I think that's that's really interesting. And where you'll see in the difference potentially from a daily trainer to a recovery shoe is that if you're like, hey, I don't love that soft feel, it makes me feel unstable, then it's about trying to get in that little bit of stability element. And when I think stability, I think firmer foam. Yeah, That's it. Like yeah. that's how they're doing it now. They're not making it more foam on the inside than the outside. It's just that it is a firmer feeling foam, which gives you the feedback or, or element of stability. Yeah. Which I think is, is really important. That's a really great point. Um, so what you said earlier was that um, the recovery shoe uh, maybe not be a great shoe to go over sort of a 60 minute run. Yeah. Why is that? This is where the resilience comes back in. And for... Most of the running population, it's pretty rare that people go over 60 minutes. Yeah. For a lot of us, like I started out doing, I think, 20 minutes where it was sort of two minutes of walking, one minute of running. And so most of us, before we get too addicted to running, <laughs> this is the category that we would be in. When you start to run a bit longer and you do start taking these shoes, if you 75, 90 minutes, the... We call it the the in run degradation of the foam. Um, you just you just start to notice that it feels different, and you will lose that element of support, or you'll find that when you do hit the shoe in your normal spot, yeah, that foam just doesn't have that same structure that you started with, and it comes back. But the constant pounding, like think about how much force you put through every single step on your runs. Mm why does a brand need to design every shoe to be able to go for two hours? It doesn't. Mm, yeah, it needs correct. to design the shoe for what that person's going to use it for. So they're yes. going to make that foam be as good as it can for that most common duration. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's where, yeah, I think the recovery day shoes, they really have focused it. And that's not, not to say people can't do it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of shoes that people do things in that they're not meant to yep. um, or or something I might not be able to do in a shoe, you might be able to do. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, that's 45 to 60 minutes range is where they just start to not feel as nice. Yeah, okay. Um, that fatigue of the yeah. foam element comes in. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that's a great a great descriptor. Um, and what you'll notice in, I think, the recovery shoes is that we might class them as less responsive. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because they're, they're, 
the foam again is more of that that feeling where we want stability and a bit of that cushion and and there's just a bit more probably of a stability element um of the four recovery shoes and we're only going to talk about two mm. because people are going to head to the guide and check out the full four. <laughs> <laughs> we're teasing you um i think i like look i've really liked that what's in there is a new balance 1080 version 13 yep um What's interesting about what you're saying is that with the version 12, I was seeing a lot of people come in with some forefoot pathology. Now, it wasn't from a width issue. It was because they were exceeding the, the shoe's capacity and yeah. they were hitting a fatigue point. Now, what they did is they increased the stiffness of the shoe mildly by changing the rubber makeup in the foam, which means that if you were to pick the shoe up at a lengthways and you were try to flex it the, and to see where the toes bend, there's more resistance in the new version than the old version theoretically that they'll notice that there's less force going through the metatarsal bones of your forefoot and, and the shoe will carry more load. So um, I love the New Balance's width options. So yeah. they come in three widths. They do the, the standard, the D and then the 2E. Um, good depth, great cushion feeling. Um, and, you know, you might get a little bit more of the response and the bounce out of the version 13 because it could have a little bit more uh, endurance element, stability element over the distance around that 60 or 65 cent, whatever the minutes are, more than the previous shoe. Yeah. So I think it's it's a really good option. It's a six mil drop too. So it's sort of sitting at that nice flatter position. Um, so the responsiveness, I gave it a two, but that's not what this shoe is designed for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stability should probably... Now the stability is an important one with the New Balance because their fresh foam can be seen as quite soft. Um, so that's a very much a subjective thing. I tend to think that it's quite soft. So I put that as a three stiffness is, is still quite, quite low at a two, but the durability is out there at a four Yeah, because it, it can go quite long. Yeah. Um, and I think it's even just sitting here and talking about it. I, and this is, this is, this is the issue I think with the industry is that even people that tried to make it simple, once it, once you kind of know a bit more and you want to. Yeah. By, by trying to simplify it, you actually over-explain it. 100%. Um, so the New Balance did a really good job of taking a good shoe that was straddling a few different categories yep. and then go, no, we've got a really good range of other stuff. Let's make this a solid, like really solid in one category shoe. Yep. And they've done they've, there's some big updates. Like the the upper in this shoe is so comfy. Mm -hmm. like, and I think this is an, another thing that we haven't really mentioned too much of. We've spoken a lot about the the foam or the midsole of the shoe, mm. a little bit about the outsole, the rubber, and simply there, if you want a more durable shoe, thicker rubber, more coverage, less durable, less, but then you get a, a heavier as well. So that's why race day shoes don't have much coverage. Yes. But the upper, when you're in a shoe that's gonna be designed for walking, running, being comfortable, like every person will put their foot in and go, oh, this is really plush. Mm. That's when New Balance really nailed, I think, with the, the 1080. I haven't haven't run it because I know that once I, when I put it on, I could tell this wasn't the shoe for me. Yep. But it was beautiful to put on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think that's just the nature of the New Balances, their shape, like yeah. the last shape, the square toe box. Everyone puts them on like, oh, that feels really comfortable. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think that's a, a really it's a really popular shoe, and like we said, there can be some crossover into a daily trainer from that shoe. Um, right, you the next pick from that category. If you had to pick a, a second favorite, so this is a category that I don't spend a lot of time in, mm. and that's only because I bought the wrong shoes right. in the past. Yep. So 
if we talk about geometry, is that going too far? Mm, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. So we'll, we'll just, just, just like a, a, a quick one to make my point make a bit more sense. Mm. The geometry or you may hear about the, the tooling of the shoe sort of basically, if you look at it, sat on a desk, what it looks like and how it sort of rocks side to side and, and the point at which it rocks and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. recovery day shoes, they're designed to not really have much of a rocker. Mm -hmm. It's a very sort of like flat, late turn up around the tw towards the toes. Um, I typically like a more rocket shoe. Mm -hmm. So I've gone to that for recovery thinking that I'm a bit, when I'm doing my recovery runs, I'm a bit lazy and I want something to help kind of roll me forward yeah, as such. Yeah. Um, that hasn't worked. Right. I've made, I've, and I keep kind of, I'm again, prime example of doing exactly what I don't say <laughs> to do. I've gone back to the same style as you and I yeah. keep trying it. But what I have done a bit of stuff in the Nimbus, um, not the 26, which has come out recently, but the 25. Yeah. And it's, like we said, ASICs made a big push in the last couple of years, but especially with the shoes that came out last year. Yeah. And this is another one of those shoes that you don't really want to pick up the pace in it. Mm hmm it makes you just want to chill out, run easy, which is an issue everyone has, but feel, I actually have a surprising amount of resilience and a good good feel and a bit of, a little bit of energy return as well. Mm -hmm. So again, this is where everyone's preferences will differ, but I still like to feel like my shoe's doing something even on a recovery day. Yeah, um, Again, potentially that might be so that I can be more lazy, but it's that's where I think the ASICs did really well. And it's a testament to their foams. Obviously, every brand has their own foam type mm -hmm. compound. I just really get on with that one. Yeah. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, they do have some form of gel within the heel. Yes, they put a gel right under the, the heel. Yeah, cushion. so that works for me as well yep. because I do like tend to fall inside, yep. especially yep. when I'm tired. Yep. And you run a lot of Ks and eventually your feet do get tired. Of course, so, yeah, definitely. So like it's... Uh, yeah, I think, and having seen a lot of the guys around town here running, this is a shoe you see a lot on every runner. Yep. Feet. Yes, certainly, certainly. It's um, it's it's definitely been a very popular shoe within the general population as yep. well for walking as we go through. So uh, the category that I think we'll jump to next is I'd like to potentially have a, a chat about some of the more racy shoes, mm. and then we'll we'll come to the the long run shoe last. So in terms of the combination of a speed and tempo shoe and a race day shoe. These are the line of categories that we could have combined. Yeah. Um, there is a little bit of a variation between them. So I think what we'll start and we'll talk about is, is the speed and tempo shoe, um, which is a little bit more of the workout shoe. You might wear these on the track, potentially trying to do some tempo or speed work. Uh, is that a good way of defining a speed and tempo shoe? And let's say you're a less seasoned runner. Would you still put them into a speed and tempo shoe? Oh, so that, okay. Uh, in terms of categorizing them, there's speed, tempo shoes. Again, this is one that we could have distilled into so many different categories based on distance and style of shoe. And it, I'm not, I won't go there, but yes, there's, there's a, <laughs> a, a lot more nuanced than we're going to kind of show here. The speed and tempo shoes they tend to be a little bit lower in stack. And I'm not, not saying low, but your race day shoes, um, for the marathon, for example, there's a legal limit. So they can't have more than 40 mil under the heel. Mm. So 
most of the brands push their race day shoes right to there. They chuck a carbon fiber plate in it. They put the most expensive foam, the, the highest quality that they can. Mm-hmm. Your speed and tempo day shoes, some of them are compliments, like the training day shoe to the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Socony's endorphin line is a great example. Their endorphin pro or the elite are their race day shoes and their speed is their, is their kind of training shoe to that. And most people will happily do every, anything from 400 meter repeats at the track to a, I don't know, um, 30 minute threshold doing half marathons, even racing the marathon in it. Like, and I think that's, that's one of the things is that even though we've, we've separated the speed, tempo shoes and race day shoes, a lot of us can very happily run in a tempo shoe for a marathon and a race. It doesn't have yeah. to be, you don't have to fork out the fortune to get the carbon plated shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, these, some some of the speed day shoes are still carbon plated, but they just m- minimalize it a little bit, potentially don't have the same extent of high quality materials in there because when you're talking about the marathon or just racing in general, like we said with the Adidas shoe, they're not designed to hold up. So when you're talking about a shoe that is getting up to the points now of, most of them are in 250 to 350 price range, and that's in US dollars, not even Australian, because mm. most of the stuff we read is in US, even up to 500. If your shoes are only lasting a couple hundred Ks, majority of us aren't, even even if you had the money, yeah. s- still, it, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. So your speed and temper day shoes are for your, your workouts, the mm-hmm. days you want to pick up pace a bit. Yep. Some of them definitely can use on your easy runs as well. Uh, if you are a bit more or an advanced runner, you're starting, you've, you've built up some good like four days a week and you want to start to putting in a little bit of speed and you do some strides, so some 20, 30 second intervals. Great shoe for that, where yeah. you do 40 minutes and then some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, sorry, I'm kind of, feel like I'm rambling a bit, no, bit no. now with this, but they, they're a do it, they're, they're the jack of all trades for when you want to go faster. Got you, yeah. nice. And yeah, there's nuances, but that's, that's the, that's the larger so essentially, if like the the main difference from the tempo to race, from what I understand, is they carry more durability based yeah. on the the materials they put into the shoe. For example, the endorphin line that you spoke about, the, the Socony, um, their speed shoe has more of a, a plastic plated plate yeah. to create the stiffness and energy, energy return, whereas their elite stuff carries more of the carbon. Exactly. And so you, yeah. essentially, you're going to put more Ks into the speed and tempo shoe compared to the race to, shoe, but they just carry more durability. So yeah. like, you know, it, for me, I don't need a race day shoe. Mm. I barely need a speed and tempo shoe, so I don't really carry as much of that line. Um, but if I was going to pick that next step of a shoe, I would go into a speed and tempo shoe as opposed to a race day shoe because yeah. I know I'm going to get way more kilometers out of it. And the reality is I'm not really even going to make the most of the race day shoe because I'm probably not putting enough energy or speed into the actual shoe itself. So yeah. um, I think that's also important to remember is like just because the shoe is more expensive doesn't mean it's necessarily the right one for where you're at at the time. Yeah. Um, and that's also what we're hoping to achieve with the guide is that you're sort of picking a better shoe based on where you're at. Yeah. And I I think it's it's so easy to think that, all right, this is the shoe that everyone is racing in and it's the most expensive, so therefore it must be the best. But race day shoes are not necessarily the best thing to do like if you take nike's alpha flyer which is probably the most famous one mm. and try to do a 5k pace track session it's horrible because it's too big and heavy and cumbersome and it's not designed to run that quick mm. like there's there's a reason why 
people at the track use a minimalistic spike to go fast and not a 40 mil max cushion race day shoe so just because it's expensive and fancy and everyone's pushing it doesn't mean that's going to be the right shoe Um, and the other aspect just quickly when you said about the plastic plates and stuff the race day shoes can be really aggressive and really harsh i first pair of carbon plated shoes i got i did not have the um again i think this is the case you can probably correct me if i'm wrong but i I don't think i had the calf strength to actually take the force that that put back through me yeah and i blew up my calves like three months Mm. i ran in it was a pair of Saucony endorphin pro twos yeah ran one 10k run then decided it'd be a great idea to go and do a park run as hard as i could (laughs) and nearly couldn't walk for a day or two and could not touch the shoes again yeah so the speed and tempo day shoes they have some some of them still have a carbon fiber plate carbon this is where shoes get annoying even more so is that just because it says carbon fiber doesn't mean it's just carbon fiber doesn't mean it's the same stiffness of carbon fiber so you can get detuned let's call it and it's the same with your p-back space plates or your plastic base plates they're just designed to be a little bit less harsh and more usable day to day you will feel better at the end of a session if running in one of those compared to a daily trainer and that's where i think there is the space for people even early on their running journey if you are at the point and as a coach i must clarify this if you're at the point where you have built up to sustained let's say four maybe five days of easy running and you started putting in some strides that is the point that you're ready for a workout you don't need to be doing speed work before Mm. then yeah like running is running Mm. nice and easy do that first but once you're at that point your your everyday trainer or your recovery shoe, whatever you've been using up to that, it is not the t- the tool for the task, mm-hmm. and that's where the speed and tempered issues come in. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a really a really great point, um, and and it brings me it probably brings me to a question that that I think is is really important and hopefully is a big takeaway is how do you choose the right category of shoe mm. for the run. And, and I think, to be honest, if people like footwear is a, a great load management tool that I utilize for, for injuries and coming yeah. back from injuries and things like that. And, and it's, it's literally at times choosing the right shoe for the right run. Um, you mentioned that, you know, if, if you're not, if you've, if you're building up your capacity as a new runner and you're doing building your easy days, which seems to be a really common occurrence through some may say the 80-20 the rule, you know, the 80% easy days, 20% a bit of an increase if you're ready for it. The shoe should match that. And so, for example, the category we've spoken about is uh, if you're new to running and, and you're building up in, in that volume, daily training and recovery shoes might be for you. And like you said, James, when you're moving forward, move to the speed and tempo shoe yeah. um, as opposed to the race day shoe. So choosing the right shoe for the right run, vital. <laughs> like it, it is. And it, it it's... Like, even if it just comes down to making you feel good mm. if i was to go and do or anyone was to go and do a workout in a recovery shoe a you'll run slower which as much as we say we shouldn't look at pace you're going to look at your pace and it's going to make you feel bad mm-hmm. it's just not going to feel very nice and to be honest you're probably putting yourself at more risk of injury by doing that mm-hmm. um even just, just as simple as if you're turning a corner quickly the shoe might not be able to take that so yeah you're right choosing the right shoe for the right day and we're not talking about the literal shoe, but the style of shoe category, on that day, yeah. the category of shoe, that it, it, it does matter. Um, and But to be honest, if I, was, if, if I was talking to someone who had been running for a bit, 
they were thinking about doing a little bit of speed work because they just wanted to take their running up a touch. And this is people that are, depending on your starting point, this could be you after three to six months if you wanted to. Having an, a daily trainer in there and having a speed shoe that's on the sort of more relaxed side mm. will serve you for everything. Because like I said, you could do whatever event you have planned, mm -hmm. you can do that with one of those two shoes. Yeah, 100%. And, and just, just to confirm that, myself mm. who i am in yeah, that early exactly. category um i run two styles of shoes which is i run a daily trainer which is the vomero um and then i run an adidas boston 12 which comes into our long run category yeah but the nature of that shoe again because of the hybrid roles of shoes these days within categories is it 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 carries what they call a glass fiber plate which is similar sort of to a, a plastic plate adidas's lesser carbon version um, and it gives back a good amount of energy where it's trying to make me run faster. Yeah. Um, it, it brings me to be a better runner than I am. Um, and, and as a, as an early <coughs> stage runner, it is like the perfect, perfect combination of shoes to have yeah. the daily and then that, that other pair. Um, as a more, much more experienced runner, if you just had to choose two categories of shoes yeah. like myself, what would those two categories be? So I'd have a daily trainer. Yep. Um, and for me, I would choose something like the Cloud Monster, something that isn't too soft, but it's also not too stiff. Yep. Um, and I can run in it five days a week and it will last me a good amount of time. Yep. Um, then, like you said, the long run category that we'll come to towards the end, There's a, that one I think, especially now, has a lot of crossover with your, especially your more tempo day shoes. So... The speed day shoes might be even more minimalist. Yep. They're, the, they're the ones you want to use on the track or for your park run. Uh, if you're really, if you're getting to the point where shoe matters yep. more so. Like but sub 20 minute? Like, yeah, like you're sub 20 minute guys <laughs> yeah. or like over sub 5K that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you're doing, if you're doing that over anything longer, you're doing very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if, yeah, if you're, when I started running, um, a coach said to me that if you're a, guy running under 17 and a female running under 20 you've hit like you were beyond your kind of typical runner yes i run under 17 and i have not needed a 5k specific shoe mm. ever yeah i used i think the speed sock and the endorphin speed three to do that yep. which is a shoe that i've also taken for 40k yeah so and that, and that this was going to be the answer is that find the shoe that is has a bit of a tempo speed focus. That's probably going to mean it has a plate of some fine, um, some kind, mm -hmm. but is resilient enough to last for whatever your long run is, yep. whether that's an hour or it's three hours mm -hmm. in, into there. So yeah, I, I, I could, let's say, let's say at home I, on the road shoe side, I might have six or seven pairs at any one time, mm -hmm. way more than anyone needs. Yep. I use two of them religiously, and I don't touch the other ones until I'm like, oh, I really should use them. Yeah. Okay. Or one pair soaking wet. Like, yeah. So it, it, you just find yourself going just back, back to the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. And it is that it's it's typically that that shoe that's designed for a bit of speed work. It has enough foam underneath. Um, it's resilient enough, but also it's fun. And then the daily trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent, which is great. So on on the in the categories of your speed and tempo and race day shoe, which I'm going to leave to you mm. to give us a chat about this. Um, 
You mentioned the the Sokani Endorphin Speed Three, yeah, which comes into the guide under that speed and tempo. Um, would would that be your pick for you personally? Personally, no. Um, Interesting. And, and Interesting. this is so. I put this in here because the the Sokani Endorphin line of shoes. If you want to look at something faster, you can't really go wrong. Mm. And and I'll, I'll cover that with the the Speed and the Pro. Um, I personally wouldn't recommend the shift mm-hmm. and I wouldn't recommend the endorphin elite for most people out yeah, there. Yeah. Um, the, the pro and the speed when Saucony brought them out three years ago, they've just, just releasing at the moment, the fourth generation of them, they sort of changed the game a bit. Mm. Um, and that's, but with that, I didn't like the three that much. Mm-hmm. They tamed it down a bit too much for me. Right. For most people, that's probably a good thing. Yes. Um, I I guess I like to live on the more dangerous side and I liked the lack of stability <laughs> that the two had. <laughs> yeah. It was a more aggressive shoe and yep. for what I used it for, it worked. That said, I probably wouldn't have taken it on the long runs that I've taken the three on. Gotcha. So I still had a pair of threes. I still put 800Ks in them. They yep. just didn't do it quite as much. Yeah. Um, the fours look very exciting, but yes. we won't go there yet. Yeah, no. um, you won't, most people, unless you, and I'm seeing it, one of the guys I coach that genuinely needs the stability, most people can't go wrong mm. with a speed. Yep. Um, the Boston 12 is one that I haven't run in, but mm. I've heard a lot of good feedback on. Mm-hmm. The previous iterations, I think from 9 to 11 of Boston, were misses. Yep. But the 12 has been good. I've, ha- I've had it on my feet. Uh, again, I've put it on a treadmill, but that's... The, kind of gives you an idea but not not everything but that that's that's one that i have suggested people really really liked the one that again this doesn't fit my feet so this is where like we are speaking objectively the hocker mark x this one and again it's one that can can straddle a couple of ones but i'm pretty sure we put this one in in the speed we did we did yeah um there was a bit of a bit of back and forth on that one (laughs) but that's one that the people that I've recommended it to, those that have a bit of a narrower foot, they're loving this. And this is a new shoe for Hocker last year and they did this very well, especially because the Mark range has not been everyone's favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been okay shoes, but typically cause a lot of compression. The Mark X was a completely different step. They've got a uh, a plate in there that's P-backs based. It's a material that's, firm but has a bit of compliance within the plate so it's not too not too stiff not too soft um the foam that they've used or the dual density of it that's been really good uh and yeah i've had some very good feedback from the people that that shoe fits yes um yep. and so that's more of a narrow uh, that's more of a narrower fit yep. so if, yep. if you i think hocker is an interesting brand in the sense of they really cornered the market for a while. And I think especially from a podiatrist perspective, you saw a lot of people going around in hawkers that probably shouldn't have been um, just because that was what everyone saw. Yeah, and I agree. They were the first brand to do that Max cushion, which yeah. is funny now because it's not Max anymore, but they did a few things first and everyone went to it. People have moved away because they've realized that actually that's not the right fit for my foot. And that's, yep. as we went back, if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Mm-hmm. But for those that do have that slightly narrower fit, so if you are, if you know like Salomon, Nike, Hocker, that's a good shoe to go for. Mm. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard really good feedback as well. Yeah, um, and I think like Hocker has been a really interesting brand, and mm. it, it was very polarizing within the podiatry world because 
Yes, there was a lot of cushion, which some podiatrists loved, but what I struggled with was the stability element of the shoe and and how people would feel unstable within that shoe. And and so people like really either loved them or they hated them. So now it's nice to have that sort of hybrid option within the shoes where they're they're not all very cloud-like. Yeah. Because cloud-like is is okay for certain things, but also it's not okay for certain things, which is, you know, we we saw the ramifications both ways. You know, people love them and and other people not necessarily so much and, and maybe there was some fatigue associated stuff going on within the feet but um yeah i've heard, I've heard some really great things about the hocker um mac x which has yeah. been good i think if, going back to what we said as well about every brand having a good range now like hocker's a great example that probably three years ago i don't think i would have even maybe two years ago, i don't think i would have even mentioned them yeah if people asked me yeah uh, i'd probably agree yeah even as a pod yeah and whereas now they've really stepped it up and that it goes for a lot of brands like you take someone like puma that is not necessarily known for their running shoes they've always done them but everyone sort of ignored them even yeah. sketches can come into this category yeah. that have really stepped it up yeah and again puma is another one narrow narrow fit so mm-hmm. you have to really like yeah not have much width to your to your foot for them yeah. but if they fit I've heard some great things. Yeah, yeah. Well, a fellow ran across Australia in a pair of a few yeah. pairs of Pumas. Yeah, Mr. Brockman, um, and still, still with Puma. So okay, whether so obviously or, didn't do too much damage. Well, yeah. who, <laughs> who knows whether or not it's uh, he's actually running in them outside of the sponsorship. Yeah. But but yeah. yeah, also yeah, heard some really interesting things. Which again, two years ago wouldn't have. No yeah. way. If you ever, ever see a, uh, a sponsored athlete and you never see a photo, a full photo of them running, <laughs> you know why. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're sellouts. Yes. They're frauds. <laughs> um, so that takes us into the race day category then. Uh, what is your pick in the race day shoes of the, of the four that we have in here? So I feel like as a... From the, from the viewpoint of what we see out there the most, you have to go to the Alpha Fly. Mm. Uh, it's, I was down at Ironman Melbourne, I think in October. Mm-hmm. There were two shoes that I saw most. It was the Alpha Fly from Nike. Um, back then it was the two. And the, funnily enough, the Hocker Rocket X2. Mm-hmm. And prior to that shoe, I get Hocker's. Hocker's carbon shoes, which are donated by the typically donated by the X. Now that technically means plated, they were a shambles. And this this is a shoe that people have have loved. But I think for most people now, if you ask, the Alpha Fly Two was a definite downgrade from the one. The three that's just been released, but it's basically impossible to get hold of, <laughs> looks like a massive upgrade. Mm. But even being a downgrade, it was probably still the best super shoe out there and mm. now we're talking about numbers a bit more and this is where it's tr- it's tricky and i think different people have different answers i'm not necessarily i'm not saying that i'm necessarily right here but nike's whole thing was makes you four percent better mm. so the combination of their foam plus the plate plus obviously how the shoe interacts with your body should make on average you run four percent faster or more efficient some people that number could be seven. I think I think the, the highest number was something like seven point eight. Some people it was negative. Mm. So you've still got to remember that not every shoe, like we said, works for every person. Yep. But from the from the main point, four percent, and that's talking about your entire population. Now theoretically, if the shoe works for you and you're gonna be out there for longer, there is the potential for the shoe to be 
more beneficial to you mm-hmm. because it will hold up and if it's improving the efficiency of your running and you're going to be out there for six seven hours versus three it's more time to be more efficient yeah so i i, th- I think irrespective of my subjective choice here it, we would be amiss to say really anything but but with the caveat that the two people didn't like mm. uh it was a step back you obviously you can't buy the ones yep um personally i prefer the vaporfly yeah so i find the alpha fly just too cumbersome it's too big yep. i don't like the pods so yep. nike used to do their tempo which was their training day of the alpha fly and that yes. shoe people that lo- liked it loved it yep. people that don't like it like myself uh, it's just a, yeah they don't make it for a reason now yep. um so alpha fly vapor fly would be the, the backup if you like something a bit more a bit more snappy a bit lighter a bit mm-hmm. more kind of your old school racing shoes yeah um otherwise i would say the personally the endorphin pro yeah um again adidas have some, some great ones uh, most brands have a carbon shoe now yeah. and most yep. of them are pretty good yes um but yeah for for me personally it's the pro this Saucony pro but for probably most people they're still going to go the like even if i said don't go the nike realistically everyone's still going to go the nike yeah, yeah yeah i mean they're similar to apple yeah like they carry that brand which which goes a really long way um so i think that's really great um and a good differentiator there uh is that don't push yourself into a speed tempo on race day shoe um if you're not ready for it yeah like there's it's not worth the money all the time it's better probably moving into a, maybe a long run shoe which we'll go into next mm. um now, long run shoe is, as we somewhat defined it, it's when the daily trainer isn't quite enough, um, but the not ready for a tempo shoe potentially, or the tempo shoe is probably a bit too harsh for you. Um, it's something that you're going to go a little bit longer. And generally, the great thing about the tempo shoes that we've recommended within our long run is that they've combined... Almost what what I sort of define as a performance trainer now, where they're utilizing excellent foam combinations. A lot of them are a lot of quite a stiff shoe. Mm. So they're trying to give you a bit of that energy back in terms of of what they're doing. But they also have a bit of a stability element to the shoe, um, which can help mitigate fatigue. So in terms of the long run shoe for example like we mentioned earlier for myself who's 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 certainly not an experienced runner um i've got my daily trainer like i said my my second category shoe that i use is i use a long run shoe which is the adidas boston 12 yep. um it has the higher quality foam through the top layer of the shoe um, which gives again that nice sort of softer feel, which I like. But they've got quite a wide splay and base of the sole with a with a really nice fitting forefoot for myself, um, combined with glass rods through the which is their version of their or their their stiffener, their plate, um, and that's not carbon fiber; it's glass. So good durability. I feel quite stable in the shoe. Yeah. Um, and I just really love it. Like if I could wear it all day, every day, mm. I would. Yeah. But I know that I sort of need to rotate through them. Plus it makes me want to run faster than I need to, which just elevates my heart rate. And I'm, I end up not doing an easy run yep. because it wants to help me along. So um, that was sort of my pick within this long run shoe. But I think it's it's such a versatile category now because if I, for example, have someone who has a, like a forefoot pathology, so they've got forefoot pain. Yeah. Sometimes, like I said earlier, I utilize some stiffness within the shoe to deload that. When we have these longer run shoes, they have a bit of that nicer, softer feel through the top, but then they still got stability that they might require with stiffness. So they just come in that I can like utilize this long run shoe in a variety of pathologies 
because they're sort of built to cover a lot of different categories. Yeah. Um, and, and very enjoyable. Yeah. So um, I really like that. Uh, and um, like the weight of the shoe, it's 200 and what, 60 grams for a US 9, which is still quite a... Yeah, you know, for, for context, that's pretty light. Like, pretty light. Re- <laughs> when I... Getting into running, there's so many stats and <laughs> I, it's just stupid. It's, so it's w- way more than you need to know. But weight is one that does play a factor. Mm. And if you think that you're going out there for two hours, carrying an extra 100 grams on, your, on each foot, it, it adds up. It builds up the, fati- the fatigue. 100%. I think your, 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 your hips have to drive that shoe off the ground every single time. So um, it, does, it does matter. That said, sometimes long run shoes are heavier to be more resilient mm-hmm. or because of the amount of foam in them. True. But for the for the Boston's perspective, it's that's a if you like a lighter shoe, yes. That's a great one. Yep. Yeah. The, the when I put it I wrote it in the guide is this shoe's upper is very minimal. Yes. And so if you like a plush feel around the heel cup where you around where your heel fits, this isn't a shoe for you because it's literally just a very thin um, the rear foot area, so it's it's quite like I like it because it doesn't. I, I I have a good lockdown in the shoe. I'm not I'm not slipping. It's I'm not chasing that real yeah. locked in cushion, so it's fine for me. But if that's you, if you want a bit of that cushy feel around the heel and you like a heavy heavy lockdown that the cushion might apply, maybe not the shoe. Yeah, and I'd say to that, if that's you, just like don't even think about uh, speed or tempo style shoe for a long run mm. because. Like with the race days where they're trying to save every gram that they can, typically your tempo style shoe is also lightweight. Yep. And they're very good at putting the minimal minimum amount of foam in the right spots to make it still feel nice. Yep. But if you do like that more plush foot experience, yeah, then then stay away from them. Go towards your even kind of back towards the daily trainer category yeah, yeah yeah and but but get a shoe that's a bit more of a firmer ride a bit a bit stiffer yep. when you yeah when you when you bend the shoe in half lengthways it has a bit more bit more resistance and a bit more snap yep. yeah yeah uh, 100% um right your long run shoe recommendation what's what's where what's your pick here so be a tough one i feel like for you yeah it's <laughs> the Again, this this so this is not personal experience, mm. but the Asics Super Blast, mm-hmm. and like I said, I feel like we Asics had a really good year, and that's, yeah, from, and oh, yeah. and that's why we're, we're we're saying the brand quite a bit. Yep. But their Super Blast, uh, from a performance perspective of the long run, really changed the game. So they went basically screw it, we're going to create a race day experience but in a shoe that doesn't have a plate mm-hmm. we're going to put our highest quality race day foam mm. change the density up a bit so that it can last the duration yep. and you feel that because somehow without a plate you try and flex the shoe and it's stiff as mm. hell mm. like it's it's very impressive yeah um, and it means that when you step into the shoe the upper isn't as as streamlined. It's got a bit more substance to it, so it feels a bit more comfy on the foot. Um, but it actually feels a bit almost like harsh, a bit stiff on those first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And like this is this is speaking from feedback, not from personal experience, but I was, spoke to someone on Saturday 
we've had this exact experience once yeah. I, once I said so it has it and, and it can almost it can, the word sort of slappy might might kind of if you were to use it it might ring true um but you start running in it and it's a shoe that gets it likes to have a bit more energy put in so once you start speeding up a bit that's where it comes in mm. so if you're looking for a slow long run potentially not the go-to yep. if you're training for a marathon and whether you are training for a two hour or a six hour you probably will have some form of faster work mm -hmm. more marathon specific stuff this is where this sort of shoe comes in massively and it yeah. it from all accounts just comes alive yeah and to to the extent that um so we have typically have kind of two different types of foam and an eva based foam and a, a pbax is the company or piba based foam and it says your piba based foam it's more expensive it's more responsive that's what they've put in and just one big thick chunk of it yeah and now we're seeing other brands to catch up copying gotcha so Shockany, they have their triumph the new one that's coming out later this year they've now put their piba foam into gotcha to be so asics did something that no one else had really done yep nailed it everyone went crazy for it you cannot buy the shoe yeah they do i think the next release is coming out sometime this month wow if you see it and you want it you yeah. have to buy it straight away because yep. it won't be there tomorrow yeah i got you um so from a from a from listening to every, everything and all, all, all the reviews that you sort of spend way too much time looking at mm -hmm. that's the shoe to use especially if you're going to have some faster work yep. um, if you're not going to have some faster work and you're just going to kind of chill around to be honest what i just said the triumph is probably a great shoe mm. um, even the triumph 21 that's still out and you can get most of the most places on sale the foam is a bit firmer the, the it's a little bit um uh a little, little bit more stable potentially um a bit more built up but is a is what your old long run shoes kind of used to be yeah more of the everyday like daily trainer that's just been made to be a bit more durable mm -hmm. um or a bit more resilient sorry to say than what the dailies used to be whereas yep. now like this the super blast is the new age um, yeah and they're, and they're doing some really great things so i think that uh at a, at a takeaway it, it's almost like that that beefed up daily trainer yeah like you can just carry carry the more k's in but still carry the durability that that you need so that you're not having to buy shoes all the time yeah which, which yeah. people really want as well and, so. and and definitely with that upgrade in materials yes so it's it, like you've got the sh for yeah if you if you if your long run's going to 90 minutes to two hours potentially if mm. you've started doing this for a while you want a shoe that's going to be comfy yeah yeah um and it, even if you're your your long run is not a certain distance or time it's your longest run of the week yeah and if you find that after 30 minutes in your current shoe, your feet get a bit sore or your ankles get sore or whatever it is, then try a long run shoe. Mm. Like go to most websites and they'll classify their shoes and they'll have a long run option and yep. select that one and give yeah. it a go. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be running 90 minutes, two hours plus to, to use it. If it's 45 yeah. minutes, why and, not? And it yeah. works for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's an, important, an important point too is, you know, if you are symptomatic on your run, um, and you want to try and utilize the footwear load management to do that, then it's sort of about trying to figure out then what is it about the shoe that might be causing that pain. So for example, uh, if we go to um, some brands, we'll do more of a plush, higher foam, softer feel. The, the literal next model could be the same shape shoe, but just firmer. 
Um, it, it could be that it's a, it's a distinction from like the shoe, like the feel, like the upper, I just need to go to a firmer feel. Yep. For the general population out there and this shoe doesn't come into the guide, um, the glycerin versus adrenaline is a really nice example. Yeah. Is I've had people who've had the, the adrenaline, 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 like the firmness, they're soft enough for comfort, whatever, go to the glycerin. They, they might be like a workhorse shoe for them in terms of in the mold all day, every day, foot pain. It's not the glycerin's fault. It's because they've gone from a shoe that potentially fatigues less because they're more of a durable foam into more of a plusher, softer foam that's fatigued and all of a sudden then their foot potentially has to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Pain. Okay. That's in the world of Tim, so I could yeah. be wrong. Um, but it's a nice example in, in is that, you know, foams and, and it's what James said at the start. More durable foams, more firmer foams. If it's soft and it's, you know, it, of course there's that subcategory of being responsive, but it also has that higher fatigue element and risk that can be associated with that. So yeah. um, that is our long run category. Now that gets through our five categories. Um, so we, we've gone through our dailies, our speed tempos, our long run, our recovery and our race day shoe. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we've got four shoes per each category recommended within the guide. Um, and it's a 20 page document. Um, so we've tried to jam pack this with as sort of as much information so you can make the right decision based on what you're trying to achieve within your running. Um, we've got a bit of an injury corner page. We chat about carbon plates. We chat about weight drop and stack. So we've really tried to do our best in terms of trying to give as much info as we can. And we know that this document will date. (laughs) Very quickly, unfortunately. Unfortunately. So, you know, it could be a turned over within six months or something or even less. Um, And this is based on road shoes, guys. You know, if there's enough want and we're interested enough, we'll probably make a trail version. Realistically, Um, we're making a trail version. We'll be making a trail version. So you can keep an eye out for that. But... Uh, I think that it's it's a really solid starting point for you to look at the shoe, find out what you like and, and just fit that appropriately. So I, I think the big takeaways from today, James, is understanding the category and how the category fits with your running yeah, and then utilizing the shoes within that based on what you're liking within a shoe. So for example, me, I use, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an early runner. I don't do a whole lot of Ks. I use a daily trainer and a long run shoe. I like a slightly plush feel, but I like stability in through the base. So I like a soft feel, firmer, more durable through the sole. And that's what I carry through both those ranges, just with a, a little bit more energy return in the long run shoe. Um, whereas James, who runs, what, 100 and however many yeah. kilometers a week, depending on the week. Too many. Um, uh, will utilize an entirely different sort of range of shoes based on how he feels and based on, on what he requires. But like he said, usually jumps between between two sort of main styles of shoes. Yeah. Um, now, before we before we finish up, James, I suppose I suppose my final question for you is, and I think you've probably answered it earlier. If for the next twelve months you could only be in one shoe, mm. what would it be? I, th- I think I think the, la- the last month is pretty <laughs> indicative of, of of that. It's assuming I can keep getting hold of them. Yeah, uh, it would be the Cloud Monster, mm. and 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 to be honest, that's speaking as a trail runner. Yeah, uh, I I'm training for a trail race, and I've been yeah. using this on the trails. Like, yeah, unless awesome. Unless I was in the mountains, I don't really need to change. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's. But from what I hear, on a making it different 
Yep. And I don't know if the Ooh. monster as, as, it, as it lives is going to be there. I need to stock up on a few shoes yeah. to, to sort of get you there. So, um, love it. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, when we're talking about this guide, like I don't know how long we've been talking for, but <laughs> we... I, I don't know if the impression is there, but I've, I have to keep cutting myself and make sure I don't go off on tangents. Mm. However long we've been talking for, imagine multiplying that by five. That is how it can feel. And with way too much information, that's how it feels going into a running store. Yeah, And that is exactly why we've tried our best to distill what's relevant mm. in a worded in a way that's um, digestible for everyone. Because I go into a running store and I know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm an anomaly. Most of us that go into a store, you you, you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah. And if, and that's if you're lucky enough to have a store that has a varied range of shoes mm -hmm. and has the like the the workers have the expertise to do this because there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And it, it goes down to even you go to your physio or your osteo, like they have to have a genuine interest in shoes and running mm. to be able to really help here. So yep. like that's starting out if i had this guide even to just read it and go all right this gives me a direction mm -hmm. to not and it helps me understand a few terms so i can go into a store and not get super confused like this would that's that that's why we wanted to make it yeah um yeah. and i and i'd be sat here kind of thinking wow i could just keep talking yeah and it's yeah. it's like yeah this is no wonder it's so hard to yeah. choose the right shoe 100 percent, it's yeah. challenging and yeah. look people come in for appointments just wanting shoe advice like yeah. they pay money to understand what sh might shoe might be the right one for them um we're giving it away for free guys this guide isn't any charge uh so please wrap your eyes around it provide us with some feedback if you know if you think that you know you want more shoes recommended or whatever it is we certainly can iterate through the future versions um and hopefully this will just be an ongoing guide that people can come yeah. back to you when they're trying to sort of figure out what shoes might be right for them so i think we'll leave it there today james thank you so much for your time um, not only do I appreciate you uh, really building out this guide and, and, and helping with as much shoe knowledge as you have, um, I also like learning from you. And for those, as even as a clinician, I still message James and be like, hey, I've got this, this variant, this variant, this variant. What shoe do you think could work? Um, because I am forever learning from you. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, Tim. Thank you.